Hello and welcome to the InFocus podcast. I'm G. Sampar, the Hindu's social affairs editor. If you are someone who has some kind of a loan going, either a home loan or a car loan or credit card payments due, you would be aware of the loan moratorium option that is currently active. To help people whose cash flows and incomes were suddenly disrupted by COVID-19 and the COVID-linked lockdown, the RBI back in March announced the loan moratorium scheme. The scheme was initially for three months from March to May. Uh, it was then extended for another three months till August 31st. Now, as we enter the last month of this extension, there is yet another round of debate on whether the moratorium scheme should get another extension, say till December. Please remember that so long as the moratoriums are in place and people won't be tested for their ability to repay, that is pay their EMIs, and unless this test happens, banks have no way to know how many more of their loans have gone bad. So what we're trying to go, or what we're going to try and understand here is, uh, should the government extend or not extend the moratorium? What are the issues involved in either of these decisions? What's at stake for the banks? What does it mean for the consumer? And what does it mean for the economy? To answer these questions, we have with us Vivek Kaul, well-known business columnist, personal finance expert, and the best-selling author of the Easy Money Trilogy. His latest book, which came out last month, is on a subject that is supremely pertinent to the theme of this podcast. It's called Bad Money, Inside the NPA Mess and How It Threatens the Indian Banking System. Vivek, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sampat, for having me. Uh, to start with, uh, let's start, uh, let's go with the fundamental uh, question here. Were moratoriums on repayments a good idea in the first place or uh, could we have done without them altogether? Oh, uh, that's a tricky one. Uh, I think uh, when when they came, uh, they, they were sort of initially initiated uh, towards the end of March. Uh, you know, the government and the banks were in uncharted territory. Uh, so I think to that extent, uh, you couldn't have blamed them for uh, coming up with uh, uh, something like this. I don't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea that time will only tell, but uh, it was something that probably needed to be done and was done. No, wasn't, uh, say, let's say, wouldn't uh, a cash transfer have been a better idea for a COVID disruption? Uh, like say how Germany did it? Uh, so cash transfer is, you know, that I guess that's something... Uh, uh, that that's that's another idea here uh, the the problem was that uh, many people whose uh, you know who suddenly lost their jobs or their incomes were slashed or even companies for that matter when you know economic activity came totally to a standstill uh, wouldn't really have been in a position to continue repaying the loans so a cash transfer wouldn't really have helped you know how much cash can the government really transfer at the end of the day so so this is this was a this was a different uh, idea trying to address a different problem uh, from what a cash transfer would okay i mean cash transfers in terms of how the how germany uh, no, no, I know, I know uh, gave money to the employers employers so that they didn't have to cut salaries as a result of which you know this loan repayment yes. cycle kind of don't, yes, yes, uh, don't happen but then see the thing is that the size uh, in in the Indian case, the size of the cash transfer, if it had to sort of replace the uh, moratorium, would have been terribly huge. And I really don't right. think the government was or is in a position to uh, come up with money, you know, uh, money like that. So, 
ஹேண்ட் Now, obviously, anyone who's doing this, uh, you know, I'm not talking about some random individual guys who really, he, who, who really do not understand, uh, you know, the, the cost of taking on a moratorium. But let's say any mid-level corporate or any guy who's uh, reasonably aware of the situation would know that uh, a moratorium comes with a cost attached to it, right? So, it's not like, uh, you know, there is no cost attached. the interest that uh, uh, you know that you would have paid on 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 the loan for for this period uh, ends up getting accumulated and is added on uh, to the uh, to the principal outstanding and then you have to repay the principal outstanding so in the end you end up paying not just the interest you end up paying interest on interest and uh, i mean uh, i think i mean i don't remember the exact calculation now but uh, you know when when this had originally happened uh, i mean i remember very very clearly that uh, the emi on a 30 lakh rupees uh, the number of emis uh, on a 30 lakh rupees uh, home loan uh, went up uh, by eight installments or something like that so there was a cost uh, uh, that there is a cost attached to it and i i mean you know if if you understand that there is a cost attached to it you will only do it only, uh, you know if if uh, you you really are not in a position position to repay the loan when some some bankers like for example i think uh, i think they have been saying that, that yeah. a lot of people have taken advantage of of this moratorium to preserve their capital Uh, but i have never understood this why would they do that when they know that the interest as you pointed out just now is going to accumulate yes i mean i have also, i have also been thinking about this and i mean i guess the only explanation is that you know in crisis times like these uh, sampath when there is a huge crisis on everyone likes to hold on to a little bit of cash extra cash and they don't mind paying a little interest uh, on it that be the case i guess that's the only explanation for that because i can't think of any other explanation which justifies paying interest on interest so coming back to the uh, the core uh, debate here so should uh, should the government extend the moratorium uh, for a second time what are the pros and cons according to you so uh, again it's a tricky question because you know the, you know there isn't really any data going around which one can look at and uh, safely say they should extend or they should not extend so here's the thing okay uh, you know uh, if uh, you know people who have uh, short loan tenures they you know if you extend the moratorium uh, what do you mean by sorry what do you mean by short like how short is short i mean let's say people who have to repay the loans over the next 2 to 3 years something like that and okay so they uh, i mean so if 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 you sort of uh, extend the moratorium again for 3 months i'm really not sure as to how uh, you know how much of a difference will it make in their repayment capability 
but people who have long term tenures let's say you know you have a home loan which you need to you know repay over 15 years or or companies have long term decadal you know more than 10 year loans uh, so in that case they, you know it might make a little bit of a difference but all in all i think it's not a good uh, banking practice because all you're doing is essentially you're kicking the uh, can uh, down the road and 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 you shouldn't be doing that so Okay, so would you then say that a uh, one-time restructuring of loans would be a better idea than extending the moratorium? I mean, see, see again, you know, it's it's. I think it's it's the same thing. Even if you do a one-time restructuring, uh, you know, I mean, uh, so I'll give you, I'll give you a little bit of history here. Now, you know, look at what has been happening over the last ten years when it comes to public sector banks. Uh, you know, uh, at least the the problem of uh, bad loans. Uh, Uh, in public sector banks was recognized as way back as 2011 but nothing was done up until 2015 and uh, the banks were really you know allowed to uh, restructure loans uh, in different ways uh, by the RBI and 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 they essentially ended up kicking the can down the road now the hope was that you know restructuring would help and companies will be able to repay the loans or uh, or 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 the other hope was that in the years to come the banks would sort of uh, give out uh, so many more loans that uh, the, the the proportion of bad loans as a proportion of overall loans would come down dramatically now neither of these things uh, happened and in the end you know uh, 2015 on the rbi had to crack down uh, the government had to recapitalize these banks so in the process you know uh, in the process of postponing uh, the the problem uh, you know we ended up creating a bigger problem now i am really not sure see the thing is this the moment you do a one time restructuring do you really think it's going to stop at that uh, see we are like let me just interject here see this is a, this is a very good point you are making i understand it uh, what what you are trying to say because but but uh, two questions here mm. uh, is it really uh, fair and justified to make a comparison between uh, loans we give to companies versus loans we give to consumers okay and b uh, given the fact that uh, it's been well established that public sector banks have not performed very differently when it comes to npas uh, and you know loan assessment when it comes to uh, retail customers right they have done very badly with corporate right. loans but right. you know what are the factors at play there you know political influence etc but it comes to retail lending uh, uh, public sector banks have not done uh, much worse than private sector banks so given this do you think uh, considering those other toxic factors or not uh, restructuring might play out differently for retail banks uh, see uh, i mean uh, i mean your point is well taken and uh, um, and and the fact that you want me to differentiate between uh, uh, between uh, you know corporate loans and retail loans is also well taken now uh, the the problem is you know at the banking level i don't think there is any experience in restructuring retail loans okay uh, so uh, obviously this is something that will have to be thought through very very carefully as to you know what do you exactly mean by restructuring a loan uh, do you sort of again uh, you know give the uh, give the consumer an option of uh, uh, postponing uh, paying his emi Uh, which is something that uh, the uh, moratorium already offers uh, do you sort of lower his interest rate uh, interest rates are already very very low i mean you you can get a new home loan for as low as some um, 7% uh, do you sort of uh, only ask him to keep repaying interest for a while and uh, and and postpone uh, repaying the principal 
so you know this is i think what what will happen is and i think the better thing to do here is to let the let individual banks decide on how they want to follow this up because any uh, sort of central planning is is not going to work here uh, see banks also you know it's 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 ultimately the, the the banks and the bankers who are closest to the retail customers and they really know the real situation so uh, it's better to sort of leave it to them than uh, sort of have a you know something at at at, at the central at the rbi level dictating that this is what you need to do because see you also one needs to remember this fact and you know this is something that everyone seems to forget when they talk about banks and banking is the fact that you know banks don't just lend they also raise deposits and unless these you know unless what has been lent is repaid how does the bank redeem the deposit or how does the bank redeem the deposit you know 100% so that is a factor that needs to be uh, kept in mind because you know you don't want people to sort of lose trust in the banking system in the country because that will be a, you know that will be an even bigger trouble than uh, the one we are in currently now you 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 sort of briefly looked at different options in terms of restructuring lowering interest rates and so on what if uh, if there is a combination of uh, slightly lower interest rates on case to case basis mm. and the bank takes a haircut wouldn't that increase wouldn't that decrease the likelihood of bad loans if the bank takes yeah which is what i'm so which is what i'm trying to say so my point is it's it's better if the individual banks uh, decide on you know what they are expected to do uh, the problem here is that you know I, i don't see this playing out uh, well in public sector banks because there you know the fear of what they call the three c's uh, the courts the cbi's uh, cbi and the central vigilance vigilance commission is very very high uh, so ultimately what will happen is that uh, you know the small borrowers and by small borrowers i don't just mean the retail borrowers i mean i also mean the uh, you know uh, smaller corporate borrowers uh, uh, will get treated differently than the bigger corporate borrowers as has always been the case so okay so uh, let's say uh, that uh, that the state uh, and the rbi follows your logic and uh, they decide against uh, extending the moratorium right. uh, in that case uh, wouldn't we then suddenly see a big spurt in bad loans uh, at the end of uh, after august 31st uh, not at the end of august 31st uh, you know uh, you if you there is a 90 day period so a bad loan is essentially defined as a loan which has been defaulted on a period of 90 days for a period of 90 days or more so the recognition okay. will actually start as of uh, december 1st so will there be a big spurt in nps uh, after to, december yeah it has to no sampat i mean that's that's so if you look at the data right now what it tells us is that nearly 50% of uh, the loans banking loans are in a moratorium now even if uh, you know even if 1/10th of that or 1/20th of that goes bad you know you are looking uh, at a number running into lakhs of crores so there has to be see there has to be some collateral damage i mean we are not in a you know this is a, a huge uh, you know negative thing which has happened and uh, there will be collateral damage because of that so So speaking of collateral damage the RBI's projections when according to whatever I can right. uh, gather says that NPS could be as high as 12.5 to 14.7% right. uh, next year right. now with all these uh, moratorium related uh, stuff coming out in the open say by December or so 
uh, without without one uh, one time restructuring, how how bad do you think it's going to affect the banking? Okay. Uh, so I had uh, you know recently written a piece in which I essentially did uh, some uh, basic calculations. uh assuming that 50% of the loans are under a moratorium as of august 31st and if 5% 10% 15% and 20% of those loans uh, go bad so at 5% uh, the bad loans uh, amount to around 2.5 lakh 2.55 lakh crore at 10% at around 5.1 lakh crore and at 20% at around a little over 10 lakh crore now uh, so i really don't know how bad the situation is going to be but it's 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 going to be uh, you know something like something which we 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 have never seen before uh, you know when it comes to rbi forecasts uh, you know i've i've studied this very closely over the years and rbi's forecasts even their severe you know what they call a severe scenario severe stress scenario uh, is is turns out to be wrong so so to, to give you an example so between uh 2016 and 2018 uh the actual bad loans rate was higher than the one the RBI had estimated in a severe stress scenario now the economy was nowhere near a severe stress scenario but the bad loans rate was higher than what was estimated in a severe stress scenario uh, this time around the RBI ha- has come up with uh, an even uh, you know higher category called the very severe stress scenario and in the very st- severe stress scenario they uh, they say that around 14.7% of uh, you know uh, the, the the bad loans rate will be 14.7% now given that the uh, total uh, amount of uh, bank lending is around 102 103 lakh crore uh, what they're talking about is basically around 15 lakh crore of uh, loans will go bad Uh, so which is in line with what i i have you know my calculations also say so at at uh, uh, you know if 50% if 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 10% of the loans under moratorium uh, go bad we we have loans of around uh, bad loans of around uh, 5 lakh crore and we already have bad loans of around 9 lakh crore so if you add 9 lakh plus 5 lakh you have 14 lakh crore so net net uh, you know um, the rbi projections of a very you know a very severe stress scenario are likely to be true uh, chances are it may be even more than that yeah so if 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 if, if your in your uh, projections if the higher band of your projections come true hmm. then we are looking at what 20 lakh crore which something? is true i mean so basically if you you know, uh, you know this is something that uh, arvind subramanyam also uh, you know wrote in his book uh, of council where he says that uh, the rbi uh, uh estimate is usually 20 to 25% lower than the uh, you know the real number so so you can do the math and uh, it will come i mean see it can be 20 lakh crore it can be 18 lakh crore i mean that we can you know there's no point in arguing on that but uh, the thing is it it will be a very big number and it will be it will it is more likely to be bigger than what the rbi is estimating because the rbi always underestimates and there is a reason for it the reason is the rbi is a banking regulator and if it sort of gives out a very very honest number i mean that's likely to destabilize the banking system which the rbi obviously doesn't want to do so what they essentially do is they keep gradually raising raising the number until the forecast and the uh, and 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 the actual number end up meeting so uh, so d- depending on uh, what uh, which scenario plays or whether you know slight stress moderate stress severe stress 
the banks are going to require uh, capital infusion they're they going to be able to raise capital and then fitch ratings have said that uh, indian banks are likely to require at least 15 billion dollars in fresh capital uh, under a moderate stress and 58 billion dollars in a high stress situation where the domestic economy fails to recover from the coronavirus pandemic related disruption mm-hmm. anytime soon so where are the banks going to raise this uh, capital from <laughs> a good question i wish i had a straight forward answer now see the problem what is happening is if if you follow the business press i think uh, you know some of the uh, private sector banks uh, some of the well run private sector banks have already initiated the process of uh, raising money but uh, these are not the banks which will eventually end up uh, you know needing the capital the capital will be i mean these banks will also need capital but not as much as uh, the capital that will be needed by our public sector banks now uh, the only way public sector banks uh, i mean can uh, sort of uh, i mean not only way one way the public sector banks can raise money is if the government puts fresh money into these banks uh, which uh, is highly unlikely given the fact that the government doesn't have that kind of money uh, the other option is to do what uh, you know what the government has been doing over the last few years what it does is uh, it issues recapitalization bonds now uh, these bonds are then uh, uh, you know so let's say a bank requires a capital infusion of 10000 crore so what the government does is it issues recapitalization bonds of 10000 crore what 10000 crore the bank that requires uh, recapitalization uses the deposits it has to buy these bonds and then the government takes that money and infuses it into the uh, capital uh, of the bank now uh, so what is essentially being done here is that uh, you know it's essentially a smart accounting trick where the deposits of the bank are being turned into capital uh, the problem with doing this is that uh, uh, the rather the advantage for the government uh, when it does this is that it doesn't have to put any uh, money that it earns from taxes <clears throat> into these banks so to that extent the fiscal deficit uh, its expenditure doesn't go up and to that extent the fiscal deficit doesn't go up uh, the problem is that these bonds will mature at some point of time and then they will have to be repaid uh, so so essentially you know when the government issues recapitalization bonds it is basically kicking the can down the road again uh the third option is to sort of let these banks uh, raise money directly from the financial markets but that uh, what that will do is that the the government holding in these banks will go below 50% and uh, for that uh, i think changes will be required in the bank nationalization act and uh, so these are the options uh, that are uh, available and uh, i think it is it will be very difficult for the government to uh, you know recapitalize so many banks i mean it's go- it's going to need uh, you know a uh, huge huge amount of money so so isn't there a fourth option as well to reduce the number of public sector banks no no which is so, so i mean you know i guess or whatever which is true i mean so this is something i've i've sort of written and you know extensively over the years that you know you don't require like some of the smaller banks like the indian overseas bank or the you know united commercial bank uh uco bank i don't know whether it's united commercial or union commercial so uco bank i mean you don't uh, require these banks i mean they barely lend any money as a proportion of uh, the overall uh, 
a banking scene in the country and and the amount of uh, capital they suck up and the losses they make are huge or something like a dena bank which was merged into the bank of baroda so you know some of these banks can just gradually be unwound over a period of uh, time so that they stop sucking the uh, you know the kind of money that the government has to keep investing in them uh, to keep them going so uh, let's uh, come to uh, the the economy side of things so now the cec has uh, actually uh, not just him others have also uh, blamed the banking sector for holding back india's uh, growth I mean, he has said that uh, a big reason for the current slowdown is because of problems in the banking sector such as so loans and risk conversion and so on But do you agree with this assessment? I think that I think it's to okay. I think it's rubbish of the highest kind, uh, primarily because uh, you know ultimately who owns a bulk of the banks which are in trouble? The government, right? So if the owner doesn't uh, go about uh, cleaning up what it owns, uh, you cannot bl- blame the you know the banks for it. so one is that uh, you know we we really did not take the banking uh, problem seriously up until 2015 uh, between 2015 and uh, 2018 the rbi did a good job uh, of trying to clean up uh, the system 2018 the ministry of finance again sort of took over and since then uh, you know all the uh, you know banking reform has taken a back seat so so unless you sort of clean up Uh, the bad loans or and and recapitalize these banks over a period of time uh, also encourage them to uh, sort of recover loans and i mean you you keep diluting the insolvency and bankruptcy code how is that going to happen or you keep restructuring uh, you know all the loans so like you know one of the points that urjit patel makes in his book is how uh, he, you know he keeps talking about zombie loans and he he says that one third of loans uh, given to uh, the real estate sector where the loans have been restructured over and over again are zombie loans so unless you let the you know see it's like it's it's like this you know if there is a wound in the uh, human body it won't function well i mean you have to let the wound heal you know you have to do everything uh, you have to you know take medicines which are required so i mean along similar lines any system which which has uh, problems with it i mean those problems have to be solved and unless the government as the owner of these banks and you know public sector banks in india i mean their proportion of uh, in the banking system in india has come down uh, over the years but they still uh, give out around 60% of the loans and have around 60% of the deposits so unless that is unless these banks are cleaned up you really cannot you cannot really blame the banking system for it i think mean, the problem lies with the department of financial services so so uh so if if we if we are if we are going to be uh, considering the fact that there is a deeply systemic issue uh, uh that is uh, brewing over a period of time are there any precautionary steps that the uh, average depositor should be taking to protect her interests uh yes i mean uh, there are uh, things that the uh, depositor needs to do in order to sort of protect her interests and uh, I think I'll, I'll try reading out something that uh, Urjit Patel uh, writes in the conclusion to his new book, uh, Overdraft. And I think this this is the only time he mentions the word saver in in the entire book. So he says direct sa- stakeholders, in particular savers, have to be vigilant against risks emana- emanating from 
पोटेंशियल क्रीपिंग रेगुलेटरी एंड पॉलिसी कॉम्प्लसेंसी नाउ ऑब्वियसली यू नो मिस्टर पटेल डजेंट राइट इन अ लैंग्वेज दैट ऑल ऑफ अस कैन अंडरस्टैंड सो वॉट इज एसेंशली सेंग हियर इज यू नो आई डोंट नो इफ इफ यू एवर टेकन अ स्टेट ट्रांसपोर्ट बस इन नॉर्थ इंडिया and i mean i don't know if if that's still the case but you know there used to be the, this line uh, sort of printed there which used to say that sawari apne saman ke khud zimmedar hai you know that the, the yeah, you, yeah. you know that so so this is something like that what patel is essentially saying is that the depositors uh, you know need to be careful about where they are depositing their money so you have to be very very care- careful about which bank you are banking with now this is not to say that you know there will be bank runs and and you know the money will be defaulted on or stuff like that but you know even if a bank is put under a moratorium as yes bank recently was you will not have access to your money for a for a for a given period of time and and money you know if you don't have access to your money when you need it Uh, i mean it's as good as uh, being useless so one is you have to be very careful with which bank you bank with two uh, you have to ensure that uh, all your money is not uh, in one bank you, know, you have to spread it around three to four banks uh, so that even if there is there, there is trouble at one bank you have access to money in other banks uh, i mean beyond this i don't think there's anything I mean, much i mean the third option is to keep your money under the under the mattress so <laughs> which is not something i would recommend so right so yeah so basically i think the the takeaways would be like uh, one could say the three basic things for a for a for, a, for the arm arm army one is of course to be to be aware of the as you said potential creeping regulatory complacency with the banking sector secondly to to be careful which uh, bank uh, one banks with and thirdly to spread the money around across uh different banks we really thank you so much uh, for sharing your insights with us thanks, uh thanks and so we look forward to doing this again yeah